the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 19th, 2016. God is great. God is good. full of surprises when he puts those videos together. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Thank you, God, for today. It's an awesome day. Thank you that we can celebrate uh, dads and, and men who make a difference. Thank you that we could have a celebration in the parking lot for all that put that together. Thank you for Dan Logan. Lord, now we come to you and we ask you to help center us that for the next few moments, we can really focus on you, your grace and your mercy and your goodness. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, amen. So before we start, I just want to share something. I uh, look like I spent, uh, fell asleep on the beach or spent too many hours in a tanning booth. Uh, actually, what happened is I have a, a doctor. They put some kind of solution on your face, put a blue, bright blue light in front of it. The point is to peel off some skin to get rid of some unwanted crazy cells that could cause some real trouble if I didn't get rid of them. And um, and, and the lights are a little down, I say that because the lights are a little down in here because I'm really not supposed to be exposed to light for a couple of days. And further, if you see me with a really goofy looking hat on, it's, it's part of that to try to keep the light off if I'm outside, you know? So, so yesterday we, we were driving to visit my dad for Father's Day and we're in the car, he's got this hat on. Well, they also told me to wear a bandana to so really keep the light out. So he's got this bandana over his face. We stop at Wawa for coffee before we leave. I got 150 bucks out of the girl at Wawa, though. Oh, my goodness. People are like, huh, oh, driving along, like nearly having wrecks. Let me just tell you, there's a high price for beauty, <laughs> but I am willing to pay it, just to let you know. Let's get started. Today, um, thinking about today's message, I was, it took me back to third grade. Now, for me, that's, that's over 50 years to be back to eight years old. Third grade, it was, well, it was one of my best years in school, and it was a very important year. Because, see, first and second grade, I missed about half of because I was timed out in the hall. We didn't call it timeout. The teacher called it, Alan, get in the hall. For talking, I was whispering. I still don't understand why I was sent out there for talking. I was merely whispering, but she saw it differently, and I spent half a person second grade in the hall. So third grade was crucial in my academic development, and I got to stay in the third grade class a lot more than in first and second. I uh, had a wonderful teacher, Mrs. Nagman. She's one of my all-time favorite, favorite teachers. Yeah, third, third grade was a wonderful year. And, 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 and I'm thinking about it, and, and some... Some kids from class came to mind. Now, I don't know about you, I, I don't remember them all, but a couple kids kind of stood out, you know? There's this one kid, his name was Jack. I'll call him Jack, because that was his name. Jack, 
he was a big kid. He was like the biggest kid in class. You remember that kid who was head and shoulders above everything everybody else? And, and Jack was athletic, and I know it sounds crazy for an eight-year-old athletic, but he was. He came from an athletic family. His older brother Danny was athletic. His younger brother David was athletic. Isn't something I can remember these names from 50 years ago? I can't remember what I had for breakfast. Anyway, his whole family was wah, athletic. Wah. His father was like a coach, huh? Wah, wah. Wah, wah. No, no, it was McDonald's. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, um, his father was a coach and all that. So, so Danny, man, I mean, he was really an athlete. And, and we saw that on the playground. Anybody remember kickball? The big red playground ball? Well, at this school, Brookside School, uh, if, if you could kick it to left field and bang it off of that outside wall of the gymnasium, home run. Well, Jack was very proficient at home runs. Alan and all the rest of us little guys, if we got one, we were doing like cartwheels around the bases because it was very unusual. But for Jack, it was like the norm. He could bang a home run just about every time he kicked the ball. Then there was this girl. Uh, her name was Carol. She lived across the street from me, so I knew her both at home and at school. Carol had a younger sister, a mom, and a dad. And, 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 and Carol was... Well, their, their family was of extremely modest means, if you know what I mean. And, and so Carol, the way she dressed and the way she kind of presented herself kind of reflected that. Carol was kind of shy, kind of, you. well, if Jack was one of those head and shoulders people that you really notice, Carol was kind of the opposite, the kind that uh, kind of blended into the background, one that, that really didn't get a lot of attention or the attention that she get, did get was probably people making fun of her, people giving her a hard time, kind of not being nice. And, and that's what Jack did. See, Jack was one of them big kids, so he thought he could do what he, he wanted, and, and he made fun of Carol and, and, and kind of humiliated her and embarrassed her in front of the, the other kids. And maybe, maybe you grew up with some of those characters in your class as well. Now, and then there was May. Now, uh, I wasn't an angel, but I was a pretty good kid, I think. I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I didn't try to humiliate people. I didn't try to embarrass them. But I was kind of a little guy. So, I mean, I would say Jack was great in terms of his athletic skill, his uh, physical prowess. I certainly wasn't great at all in, in, in that reference. And so I wasn't going to go up to Jack and say, hey, Jack, you know, you got to quit picking on Carol. Um, I wasn't that good. I mean, come on. I, I wasn't that powerful, or I wasn't that gutsy, or I wasn't whatever it would have taken to go up and say, hey, Jack, you got to ease up. It's, you're not being very nice. Because Jack was great, but he wasn't very good, was he? Great, but not good. Now, the flip side, I tried to be pretty good. But, you know, when Carol looked at me with those eyes that said, hey, friend, can you step in here? And I didn't step in. I still get a pit in my stomach when I realized how, even though maybe I was good, I certainly wasn't great. But then there was Miss Knackman. Man, Miss Knackman. Uh, I don't know, mid-40s. I don't know. Heck, that's 52 years. I don't know how old she was, but she's a lot older than I was because I was eight. Anyway, <laughs> very plain, kind of plump, wore these plain dresses, plain shoes, had the official bun in her hair. You know what I'm talking about here, third grade Miss Knackman. But, you know, she didn't look like or dress like a superhero, but let me tell you, she was one. There's a day where we had the little class meeting. Ooh. I don't think Carol was there, my vague recollection, but 
but Jack was. <laughs> and the purpose of this meeting was for Ms. Knackman to let us know that the behavior that was being uh, uh, exhibited, Jack making fun of Carol, was not going to be tolerated. In this class, we were not going to make fun of a classmate. We were not going to humiliate. We weren't going to embarrass somebody in our class, even if we were bigger than they were, even if we were great. That was not the behavior that was going to be tolerated. You see, Miss Knackman was good enough to rescue Carol, and she was great enough to put Jack in his place. <laughs> yeah, you know, Miss Knackman used, used her power for good, not just that day, but throughout third grade. Hmm. I still remember Miss Knackman because she was great and she was good. That's what we're talking about this morning. Great and good. And even though Alan's been talking about his third grade teacher, Miss Knackman, she is not our focus of today from this moment on. Great example. Because even though Miss Knackman was great, and even though she was good, we are here to tell you that God is our focus and God is greater and God is gooder. God is great and God is good. Maybe you've said that before. That's a very common thing we said at our dinner table when I was growing up. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Mm. Amen. Amen. Then we would have an adder's honor, and then my father would end up saying, enough adder's honors, let's eat. So <laughs> God's greatness and God's goodness goes far beyond what we have to eat, far beyond our daily bread. Yeah, God is great. And that comes through to us throughout the scriptures, from Genesis, where with a word he creates, God creates everything with a word or two, to the other end, the end, uh, the end book of the Bible, where we have that great uh, epic battle that takes place in the book of Revelation. From the parting of the Red Seas for Moses and company, to the Holy Spirit coming down in tongues of fire on the shoulders of the disciples on the day of Pentecost. You know, here's the thing. These aren't just little stories. These aren't made-up tales. These aren't fairy tales that we find in the Scripture to make a point. These are real stories. These are real stories, stories that, that share the history of God and God's people. One of the uh, passages that really points to the greatness of God is found in the book of Job. Now, if you want an encouraging book, wouldn't encourage you to read Job, but Job has a lot of merit. We can learn a lot about God's greatness from Job. Let me tell you about Job. You might have heard from, of him. He was God's servant. The Bible said he was blameless and upright. He was a man who feared God, who shunned evil. A man who was economically well off and uh, very well thought of and respected. So Satan 
challenges God about Job. You see, Satan believed, J Satan thought that Job lived this way because of all the blessings that God gave him. And so God allows Job, God allows Satan to test Job in the process. We find that Job loses everything. He loses his family. He loses his possessions. I mean, it's, it's really uh, very alarming when you read Job. But here's the thing about Job. He stays through, true to God. He doesn't walk away from God. Now, there is one place where he begins to question God. You know, he's wondering why all these bad things are happening, and so he asks God this, and God responds to Job's questions. In kind of a tour de force, Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Scripture tells us. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, God tells Job, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I closed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? God's not even close to being finished. He goes on to say, as the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it, if you know. And God is still not finished. As God continues to say, where does light come from? And where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? <laughs> but of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created and you were so very experienced. Ouch. <laughs> have you visited the storehouses of snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for, for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path of, to source of light, to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? And the Lord continues. Who 
created a, a channel for the torrents of rain? Who, who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? From the water, for the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. So God goes on even more in chapter 38, 11 more verses. And then he continues on in chapter 39, 30 more verses. And God really had a message for Job, a reminder of God's all-powerfulness. We talked last week about how God is other. God is so other that it's really tough for us to, to imagine God is other than us. And so it is important for us to realize our position. God, and then we are the created from the creator God. And it's because of God's greatness it's because of um, these words that we use. You put so many words on these ping pong balls that try to describe God. And what we realize is that God is undescribable. God is uh, incomprehensible. God is majestic, yet mysterious. God is fantabulous and unfathomable. God's greatness is almighty. Mm. We celebrate that God is great, but not just great, he's also good. You know, when we get to the end of the story of Job, God seems like he's given him a pretty hard time. They ask him some pretty tough questions. I think he asked us those same questions. But when it's all said and done, God restores Job. In fact, restores him to greater wealth and position than he had at the beginning. God is good. A great and mighty God, small g, who isn't good, is scary, dangerous, destructive. Throughout history, cultures have, and peoples have worshiped gods, again, small g, not our God, but other gods, thinking they were great. But many of these gods come off as malevolent or bad rather than benevolent or good. They bring evil. Think of the Greek gods, maybe you studied them in school. These were not gods of this agape, unconditional love that we talk about with our God. These were gods who were self-centered, focused inward, not outward, gods who cared for themselves. These were gods who had Extreme cat power, it was believed by the people. Gods who were great in that sense, but who were surely not so good. And if we take it from God level to human level, we have many examples historically where a person perhaps was great in power, but not very good. Just go back to World War II and Hitler. 
Hitler had great power. I don't think you get any argument on that one. Great was his power. But he certainly wasn't good, and that's not a good combination, great power without goodness, because that came to absolute disaster, absolute destruction, absolute evil in World War II. God is good. We see so many examples of that in Scripture. King David, who wrote many of the Psalms, most of the Psalms, spoke of God's goodness quite a bit. There are two Psalms that he actually started out by saying that, Psalm 107 and Psalm 136, verse 1. In fact, say it with me, please. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Yeah, the thing about goodness, though, it only goes so far without greatness, doesn't it? It only goes so far. It's limited. Like my goodness back in third grade. I wasn't great. And so my goodness wasn't great enough to stop that bully. Teacher, teacher was able to. Because she had greatness, the greatness that was needed to put her goodness into action. So God's goodness and God's greatness go far beyond what we could ever, ever imagine. God's greatness allows the goodness to touch each and every one of us in this room, each and every person on the planet, from the beginning of time until the end of time. God's goodness, coupled with God's greatness, is at the very core of our salvation very core of our salvation. Mm. We're reminded here of another J character, not Job, but Jonah. Maybe you know his story. You know, Jonah, it's often the whale, but the scripture told us it's a big fish. Jonah and the big fish. And then Jonah, in that story, was praying. We see Jonah praying from inside the big fish, the big fish that saved him. And he's praying because he realized it was God who answered his call for help, sent that fish to swallow him in the depths of the sea. He realized it was God, and he says it like this. He says, God, you brought my life up from the pit. From the pit. And you know, the same is true for you and for me. God is so good that he cares about you in all of your circumstances, in all that you do, and in the midst of your joys and your sorrows, in your pleasure and your pain, in your happiness <coughs> and your hurt, in your testimonies, and in your tribulations. See, God is so good that God truly cares about you, about me, about us, all times all places, all circumstances, even when we don't think he cares. He does. God is not only good, but it's God's greatness. God is so great that he joins you. He joins me. He joins us. So when I say you, I mean all of us, but he joins you in your circumstance. Whether your circumstance is is you're feeling darkness and sadness or, or depression or whatever it is, 
God joins you right where you are in God's goodness because that's what mercy is. It's like this covering, this, this grace, this love that just covers us even when we don't feel it. God's goodness and God's greatness lifts us up and helps us be the person who God wants us to be when God first thought of us. God's greatness takes the chains away from us. We are enslaved in so many ways. Perhaps we, we want to be, we need to be liked or we need to be noticed or we need to please, and God frees you from that and frees me from that. God frees you from any hurts or hang-ups or habits that just have a grip on you, a death grip on you. God's goodness, God's mercy, compassion, grace frees you from that. It can. All we need to do is like come and say, okay, God, and cry out like Job did. Okay, so God's going to say, who, you know, I made you. I love you. And God may, you know, tell us a thing or two, but it's good to hear and good to come before the Lord and just lay it all out, every bit of it, because God's goodness and greatness gives you a hope and a purpose and a passion. You're not an accident. You're not junk because God made you. God is great. God is good. And God loves you. It's God's goodness and greatness that allows us, in turn, to love one another. And to try to lean into that love, not a conditional kind of love, but the way that God loves us. And sometimes it's really hard. But it's by God's goodness and greatness that we, in fact, can love in a way that even surprises ourselves. It's in God's goodness and greatness that we can forgive. Because if we remember correctly, we have been forgiven when we come to God with our stuff and ask in earnest, repent, turning from and our, our messes, our sin, and turning toward. It's God's goodness and greatness that frees us and gives our lives meaning and hope. And here's the thing, the more we get to know God, the closer we get to God, the more personal relationship we have with God, the, the more we're able to trust God's goodness and God's greatness in everything, everything. God's goodness and greatness frees us to live these lives, as Carrie said, that are rich in mercy, rich in love, rich in forgiveness rich in caring. Remember the words of King David, Psalm 34. Say it with me, will you? Taste and see. Say that again. Taste, Taste and see that the, that the Lord, Lord is good. good. Blessed, Blessed is, is the one who takes, takes refuge in him. And so you say, well, how do I get to know God more? How can I trust more? starts here. We need to read our Bibles. 
We have a reading plan this summer. We're going through the Gospels, currently finishing up Matthew. If you want a reading plan, if you haven't already started, it's, it's on a justshowup.church or we have a reading plan at guest services. You can pick up. Don't try to go back. Just pick up where we are today. It's all listed right there for you. Get to know God. Spend time with God in God's word. That's how we get to know God better. Another way we get to know God better is to be in small group, do life together. If you're not in one, it's time. Check with Pastor Lori. She can get you connected. Another way we get to know God better is to worship, to be in community together, to encourage one another, and give our thanks and praise to God. That's what worship is all about, giving our thanks and praise. It's a thank you note to God and doing that in community. We're so happy that you came and joined us today to hear this message that God is good and God is great because God made you and loved you and gave you a purpose and a plan to make a difference when we leave these doors today. That's the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we confess that there are times when it's really hard and we doubt, but you say in your word in scripture that we only need to have faith as small as a mustard seed. That's pretty small. But I would ask that you would increase our faith and increase um, our desire wherever we are on this, on this line of new to Christ or still checking Jesus out to, you know, a fully devoted follower. Lord, increase our faith. We thank you for your message about greatness and goodness, for you are truly uh, beyond words. And we come this day to thank you and praise you. Thank you again, Lord, for men who have made a difference in our lives and help us help us share Christ with all who we meet and the life that you offer, the new life that you offer through your son, Jesus. We give this time to you with thanks and praise and everybody gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people.